0: Are you ready for the word of the Lord this morning? All right. Man, I'm in great shape. Did we start early? I'm going to be talking about some, some disciples this morning, probably about three or four of them, depending on how much time we have or how long you'll sit there. Seems like we've been cooped up long enough, so you're probably not going to want to just sit here very long, are you? All right, we're going to start with with chapter 6, Acts chapter 6. We'll start with verse 1 and probably read 8 verses in chapter 6. Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying. Everybody say, multiplying. Multiply. There arose a murmuring against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. So we're basically talking about the food bank. The widows were neglected in the food bank by you know half of them, they were, they were complaining and murmuring. A bunch of old ladies getting together and complaining. Then, <laughs> then the twelve, the twelve which were the disciples who which have now become apostles that Jesus had selected, disciples now become apostles that Jesus had selected. Uh, then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples. Man, everybody say disciples with me. What's a disciple? F- a follower, anyway, I mean, I can have uh, I've, I've seen on the, on the back of a jacket on somebody that's riding a motorcycle, disciples of Satan. I've seen disciples. you can be disciples of more than just Jesus, but we're talking about Jesus disciples. A follower of Jesus, a follower of someone is disciple. So summon the multitude of the disciples and said, It's not desirable that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. So the apostles were knew and were realizing that there was a calling on their life, that they were ended up caught up too much in the business and the daily work and 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 the old lady's complaining, we we can't deal with this. We need somebody to take care of this. Therefore, brethren, they're speaking to this multitude of disciples that have come together, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. How many know that in the church there's business that needs to be taken care of? So... Yeah, there's, there's a lot of business that needs to be taken care of. It's kind of interesting here. Said that they brought the multitude together, this multitude of disciples, several of them now. So the original 12 disciples were creating disciples, were building, it was multiplying, right? That's what we're reading? More and more and more and more and more disciples. So there were more and more issues that needed to be dealt with. So there's some business in the church that needs to be taken care of. So all of the disciples met He says, I want from among you to select seven men of good reputation. Good reputation. That means seven men of integrity. You know, it's really important that we as Christians have a good reputation and maintain our integrity. Especially when we want to be used. when, when When we want to become a disciple Good reputation. Full of the Holy Spirit, even more important. Full of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say with me, full of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. That's what everybody wants. And wisdom. And wisdom. Whom we may appoint over this business. So we can give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose... This is, this is the part that I tried to put myself in, in that. It's like, they chose. It's like, you guys are going to get to Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip. And they ended up choosing five others. But these are the two that I want to talk about. They're even the first two mentioned. They chose Stephen, a man full of the Holy, full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip. So obviously, Philip made the qualifications, being a man of integrity... Filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom, right? So these two guys, we, we, we move on down. Um, they set them before, uh, then they set these guys before the apostles. When they had prayed, they laid hands on them. And the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied now. It's not just adding, it's multiplying. The number of the disciples. So the disciples were creating and bringing disciples, Right? Man, somebody say amen or something. Oh, yes. Thank you. We can start preaching then. Disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests, priests of the temple, were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith, what did it say about him? A man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. So now we're talking about Stephen, who is one of those that's in charge of the food bank, one of the seven in charge of the food bank, doing signs, wonders, and miracles among the people. So did he have a fairly mundane responsibility in the church? Taking care of the business of the church, which is the distribution of food to the widows. Yet, he had a ministry of signs, wonders, and miracles that he operated in. You, we, you could say despite. So, I mean, it says God resists the proud but gives additional grace to the humble. So these guys were humble to accept. It didn't say they stepped up and volunteered said, pick me, pick me, I want to do that job. Are you with me? They were disciples. They wanted to do what they were called to do, what they were asked to do, and it really had nothing to do. They weren't limited to just that one thing. That's the point that I'm trying to make. Signs, wonders, miracles. Okay, let's move to chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. Now Saul... Saul. Saul was Paul. Before he was Paul, he was Saul. Now Saul was consenting. Okay, I better, a little bit of backstory. Stephen, the guy that we were just talking about, the signs, the wonders, the miracles, is about to be stoned. In fact, he is stoned. Now, we'll just say Stephen has just been stoned. He, he is now passed away. That is amazing when you read that seventh chapter about how it, how it, how it happened and, and how Stephen responded and, and it's like, wow, it's just, that's amazing. We don't have time to do that right now. But so now Saul was a part of that. Saul was the one standing, probably arms crossed, watching Stephen get stoned, going, yeah, another one bites the dust. And he had the cloaks, you know, the coats, the jackets of the guys that were doing the stoning. He's watching over them and watching over this process, going, yeah, get them. Get those Christians. Now Saul was consenting to his death. So Saul was saying, yep, sign off. I saw it happen. It was supposed to. He's dead. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As far as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house, dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. So when Paul was assaulting his his biggest assault against the church, what was happening? The apostles, the people, they were going out, the disciples, they were preaching the word everywhere. Now about that last dream, something that, the, that Augusto Perez shared, he goes, and I think that this dream that you had where you went into a basement and it's cut in and it's an unfinished basement, he says, I believe that was the beginning of the underground church. And I was like, oh no, I don't even want to hear that. We're just getting started as pastors here. I really don't want to hear about underground church. I want church to be like we know church. But that's just another dream that I've had, and it's like, I'm not sure, exactly sure what to do with this, but it's really clear, and that's one of the things that really stood out as in an unfinished basement carved out of the dirt, beams overhead in the bottom of a big house. Where It goes back to, it's the presence, not the plan. And we can experience that presence wherever we are. Okay, then Philip, then Philip, start with, I think we'll start with 9.1. We we'll go back to verse chapter 9, starting with verse 1. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him, To the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, who were those Christians, whether men or women, he might bring them bound, hands tied behind them to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul. Saul, why are you persecuting me? On red letter edition here, that was Jesus speaking. Jesus saying, "Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me?" Was Saul persecuting Jesus? How so? He was persecuting the church. He was persecuting the believers, and he said, "What you've done unto the least of these, you've done unto me." So persecuting the believers, persecuting the church, he was persecuting Jesus himself, according to Jesus. His plan, his idea, his salvation for the world is the church. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. I have read that a hundred times and just kind of skipped over it. It's like, what are goads? makes me think of something like a gourd or something, you know, it's like kicking against the goads, but I researched it so I can share with you now. A goad, they they refer to the goad as, I envision something that looks almost like a a spear, only not as sophisticated as a, a spear, with a sharp piece of metal on the end of it, or maybe multiple pieces of metal on the end of it, that they could prod their oxen or correct their oxen with, and when the oxen rebelled against, when the oxen would, would decide they've had enough of that, they would kick against that against that goad. And when they kicked against it, it would be even worse. They could, they could get cut or they'd get poked and prodded even worse. So it's like, oh, oh. It's like Saul was beginning to feel uh, some, some, some kind of a... Conviction. You know when you see people in your life that, that, that you've watched people that God is pursuing and they just absolutely resist and run away from and kick and fight and struggle against? You know what I'm talking about? Where you know God's after somebody. You, you see the giftings in, in their life and you, and you watch this, this happen and yet they struggle and they fight and they kick and it only gets worse for them just like kicking against the goad. It's like, oh, sometimes it's really awesome to go to that next level when something that you've looked over and looked over and looked over, uh, like I did this goad thing. It's like, oh, that's where Paul was at. The Holy Spirit was trying to work on him, was trying to bring conviction to his life long before it ever happened or he succumbed. But Jesus is willing to meet you right where you are. And his timing is always perfect in your life. It's like sometimes we are people of choice. We could make it so much easier on ourselves. Paul would have had much less that he had to forgive himself for if he would have been converted a long, long time before, wouldn't he? I mean, he's killing Christians. He's standing there, arms crossed, watching Stephen be stoned and saying, yep, I'll sign off on that one. But Jesus met him right where he was at. I said, Saul, (laughs) just listen to what he says. So he trembling, Saul trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. It's like, can't you just tell me? It's kind of funny how we, we go through our life looking for answers, looking for answers, and it's always one step at a time. One step at a time. Tell me what I'm supposed to do. Tell me what I'm supposed to do. Go into the city, and somebody will tell you. It's not going to be me. How God speaks through other people to us. And sometimes the people that he speaks to us through, we would maybe even discount or maybe go, yeah, no, no, not them. God, <laughs> God's not going to use them to speak into my life. Arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood, sp- <laughs> stood speechless. Can you imagine being there? Hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground. When his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. He was there three days without sight. Man, can you imagine three days without sight? I spent eight days without sight one time, blindfolds on both eyes because I had an had an eye injury. So I, I know what it's like to be blindfolded completely without sight, completely and absolutely dependent on somebody else. When you have to get up and go to the bathroom and and be walked to the bathroom, okay, turn around, sit. Yeah, it's like that's, that's it's humiliating, it's humbling, and Paul found himself there, being having to have all his needs met. But it said without sight and neither ate nor drank three days in the dark blind didn't eat or drink it's like wow you know this is is Saul's initiation this is Saul's beginning how long was Jesus in the tomb three days three days in the dark tomb three days how long was Saul in darkness three days didn't eat or drink it was as if he were dead To be renewed to come out to live a new life he became a new creation in christ in three days now there was a certain disciple at damascus ananias and to him the lord said in a vision ananias and he said here i am lord so the lord said to him arise and go to the street called straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. (laughs) In the dark, not much else to do. And in a vision he's seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias, who is one of these multiple disciples out there now, Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. So Lord, I think you've made a mistake here. Do you realize who you're sending me to go pray for? But the Lord said to him, Knock it off. Or close. Go. Go. For he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I'll show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. It's like, what? It's like, you're going to show him up front the things that he's going to have to suffer for your name's sake? So he gave Paul a fair warning. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, laying his hands on him. He said, Brother Paul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's like, man, that, that's, that's two parts. Receiving your sight and being filled with the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Holy Spirit and receiving your sight, your spiritual sight, your spiritual orders. A whole nother level is coming your way, Paul. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized. Hmm. Immediately he received his sight, he arose and was baptized. I really wanted to to, to talk about Philip and the eunuch where where the Holy Spirit directed Philip to run along beside a a chariot. You know, go, you're going to find a chariot, go to this place. Gave him some fairly specific instructions. Philip ran, this is just in in the eighth chapter. Philip ran, found that chariot, and there was a man, a high-up government guy. He was in charge of all of the finances for Queen uh, Candace, Queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her treasury. And he was obedient to the Lord, another disciple who was one of those managing the food bank. And, and he, he ministered to the, to the guy in the chariot, to the Ethiopian that was in the chariot. He jumped in with him, preached the good news of the gospel to him, converted him who was a high up, like a second in command, in head of, the head of the treasury for Queen Candace. He believed, yes, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Now what keeps me from being baptized? There's some water right over there. They stopped. They baptized him. He he baptized the man and immediately disappeared. Immediately disappeared. He was translated. He was transferred. He was moved from one place to another. That Ethiopian was another one of those guys that just saw a miracle. It's like, where did he go? Did that, did that really just happen? But he went back to his chariot and joyfully, joyfully went his way. Because the joy of the Lord and the good news of the gospel, meeting, learning, having that, that connection with Jesus, filled his heart with joy. So the Ethiopian, high up, high command, o Ethiopian, was baptized and blessed. Now Paul was baptized and blessed. And then he received food, and when he did, he was strengthened. Saul spent a few days with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately, what did he do? He preached the Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. All who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on his name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests so there was still a great deal of fear it's like they knew the Paul for who he was not the new creation that he had become but God put so much favor so much light into Paul that we still call Saul, but Saul increased all the more in strength, confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Now, we've talked about one, two, three, about four of four, four of the disciples, each one having their part in this, and Paul being being converted because of the obedience of those that the Lord had spoken to. And the Ethiopian, the the, the Ethiopian that was second to the Queen, being converted because of Stephen, the one who helped manage the food bank. See, God's calling all of us to be disciples. To be activated as disciples, each one of us to be activated as his disciples, and for us to go and create more disciples. I got a challenge for you. I, I was just I, I was reading and, and looking, and it's like, you know what? This is an amazing time that we're in right now—an amazing time. This this COVID thing has created almost a reset. You know, I call it a reset, like when you reboot your computer or reboot your phone to to get a new hard start. It's like we've done a home revival series, what you should be doing and what we can be doing in our homes that we did five weeks in a row on Wednesday night, Renee and I in our home. And there's just a lot of things that are changing and probably will continue to change through this reset. That we're that, that we're talking about but I believe I believe what's what's our part what's our part how important it is that you know the Word of God I mean we can listen to lots and lots of teachers but you better know the Word I was just looking you know Pentecost Sunday man that's just not very far away two more Sundays and we're a Pentecost Sunday right yeah two more Sundays two more Sundays. I was just thinking. I feel like this is something that the Lord really put on my heart for us. A challenge for Valley Church. You know, in, in my Bible right here, but this, you know, this is kind of a study Bible and it has an introduction to each, to, to each book. There's about 344 pages in the New Testament. Everybody's got a Bible. Would you raise your Bible up? Can I just see your Bibles here this morning? Yeah. That's a beautiful sight right there. I did see a few phones and iPad or two, but I I love the Bible. New King James Version predominantly. 344 pages is what I have in the New Testament. 160 pages will get you from Matthew through Acts. If you were to read as little as 10 pages, to 11 pages a day, by the time we get to Pentecost Sunday, you will have been past that in the book of Acts. I would just challenge you that 344 pages counting all the stuff that in my, in, in my study Bible will get you through the New Testament, which is the New Covenant. So if you would read 10 pages, 10 to 11 pages a day, over the next month, you could have read every single page of the New Testament. Now, how hard would that be? Can you read 10 pages a day? How many are willing to make that agreement, that covenant with me, that you will, over the next 30 days, read the New Testament? Let's raise our hands again so I can see how many are willing to do that over the next 30 days so we can read the New Testament. Awesome. Awesome. I forgot to take a picture so I could just, you know, check. Should, should have done it. Father, I just, uh, let's stand together. I just thank you for how good, how good you are. I thank you, Father, that that, that you know each one of us so personally that you know our hearts. The way that you called the first twelve disciples, there wasn't a single one of them that came out of Pharisee University or any any, any graduate from any, uh, that came out with some incredible degree. You saw their heart, you knew the desire of their heart, you knew their capabilities because you saw who they could and would be in the future and you see that in each one of us this morning and I just pray that that, that you would encourage that you would stir the hearts of your people that we will be and do exactly what you want us to do that we will become disciples that make disciples and that your disciples will multiply what the devil meant for evil, you turn for good. And I pray that as you stir the hearts of your people and as they dig into your word and we read through the new covenant, the new testament of Jesus Christ, that you will enlighten, that you will give us new revelation, enlightenment, and that we will be refreshed, regenerated, and revitalized by your word. I give you thanks, I give you praise, and I speak blessing over each one here this morning. And I say, open your minds, your eyes, your heart, that you will see exactly as you read his word what he wants for you. I pray that in Jesus' mighty name, and together everybody said, Amen.